Now, I'm very excited about what I'm sharing today because I think it's something God put on my heart that will help every person navigate their life better, especially when you're going through difficult things. Now, I hope today you're not going through any unusually difficult things, but here's what I know. Uh, In life, we do all at some point maybe more than once, we go through real difficult things. And if we don't know how to handle it, if we do not understand what to do, it's a mess. And so I'm going to be sharing with you today what I think is worth your remembering. And you can find it in four words. You might want to jot these four words down. Here they are. God's ways are different. Let's say that together. God's ways are different. You say, well, I already knew that. Well, I think most of us mentally kind of know that. But the fact of the matter is, I think the truth of the matter is, <laughs> we, we, we say we know that, but many times we don't live like we know that. And we're trying to do things our way rather than understanding God's ways are different from our ways. Now, The Bible has two verses that I think are must-memorize verses. Isaiah chapter number 55, verses 8 and 9. I wish you'd jot that down so you might not forget. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Here's what God says. He tells us his ways of different. Here's what God says. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, you stop and think about that a moment. God's ways are different. That's what he's saying. He said, my ways are not your ways. And you see that in life, especially when you read your Bible. I was thinking this week in preparing for today about different times as you just open up the Bible and read about different times when we read about how God did things way different than how we would do it. For example, when the children of Israel left Egypt and Moses was leading them to the promised land, their first challenge was the Red Sea. They got to the Red Sea and they looked back and here comes Pharaoh and his army after them in hot pursuit. And what God told Moses to do, God said, Moses, if you raise your rod, I'll part the waters of the Red Sea and my people will walk through the Red Sea as on dry ground. God said it and God did it. And that's exactly what happened. Now, had I been there, And perhaps had you been there and we were in that same situation, we would have probably said, what we need to do is find a boat. We've got to get across it, but that was not God's way. God's ways are different from our ways. Now, when they did get beyond the Red Sea and they got out in the desert where it's very dry and very hot, one of the first challenges they had, there was no water. And the people had no water for themselves or for their animals. They began to complain to Moses and Aaron. And God told Moses, he said, Moses, listen, what you need to do is take your rod and strike this rock. And when you do, water's going to come gushing out. 
Now, had I been there in that situation, I think what I would have done, I would have told the Hebrew people to scatter, get them some shovels, some sticks, and let's see if we can dig some wells. But that was not God's way. God's ways are different. Later, on out into the deeper part of the desert, again, a water problem. God said to Moses, Moses, what I want you to do, I want you to speak to this rock. But what Moses did, Moses took that rod and he struck the rock twice. Now water came out, but see, Moses didn't do what God told him to do. And that's why Moses never was allowed to go into the promised land. I think about Gideon. We all like that story of Gideon. Uh, The Amalekites were in hot pursuit to come in battle with them. And Gideon had these this army of 32,000. And God said, too many, too many. Tell those who are afraid to go back home. 22,000 went back home. Now they have 10,000. God said, too many. And he, he said, take them down to the spring and I'm gonna tell you how to get them to get water. And after that, he had 300. So what did God do? God's way was Gideon and 300 not Gideon in 32,000. It's just over and over and over in the Bible, you see that God's ways are very different. Now, when we come over in the New Testament, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus tells us that the last shall be first. That's God's way. That's not our way. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, that's God's way, but that's not how we think. We think, no, it's, it's better to get than to give. That's the opposite of God's way. God's way is we're to forgive 70 times seven. We struggle to forgive one time. Some of you have unforgiveness in your heart, perhaps, towards someone over something, and you just have never yet forgiven them. That's man's way. God's way says, no, no, that's not my way at all. God's ways are different. God says, if a person slaps you on one cheek, you're to turn, let them slap you on the other cheek. Well, that's God's way. That's not our way. So as you read the Bible over and over and over again, you see this great lesson. God's ways are different. Now, that said, we begin the Christmas month today on Sunday, our first Sunday in December. And I'm thinking about, sharing with you about, God's ways are different. We think about the birth of Christ and people say, oh, the virgin birth was different. Well, it was, but that's not what I wanna focus on this morning. I wanna focus on some things about the birth of Christ that reemphasize and reinforce that God's ways are different. And I'm going to build what I do around three words. You might want to just jot these little words down or commit them to memory if you uh, have that kind of good memory. First of all, timing, just timing. Number two, place. And number three, people. So time, place, and people. Now, we're going to look and think in a moment. You see, the timing of Christ's birth It was God's way. It was very different. The place of Jesus' birth, (laughs) it was God's place, very different. And the people involved in the birth, as we come to the tree this week, we'll see uh, much of this 
And we'll notice that the people involved in all the, uh, what we'll see with the shepherds and all this, the, the, you know, they, they're very different from what perhaps you and I would have thought God would have chosen. Now, with that little background, I want you to open your Bible, if you will, this morning to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians in the New Testament, Galatians chapter number four. And we're thinking about timing. And if you have your bulletin, you want to jot this down. God shows up at the most unexpected time. That fills in the blank. <laughs> but he really does. Think in your life, there have been the most unexpected times in your life. God has just shown up. Maybe through somebody. Maybe through something you received. Maybe through a text or a letter. A blessing of some kind a need met. I'm just saying God shows up at the most unexpected time. And when it comes to the birth of Jesus, how true that is. In Galatians chapter four, look in verse four. The Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, your translation may say at the appropriate time, or your translation may say at just the right time. That's the idea. In the fullness of time, at just the right time, at the appropriate time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Verse five, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So at just the right time, we're talking about the time when Jesus was born. And over in John chapter one, in verse number 14, we read about that. John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but it's very interesting. We read what John has to say here. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like what was going on at that particular time in Israel? What was the spiritual condition like at that time in Israel? Well, the fact of the matter is <laughs> Israel, the Hebrew people, we're in what you and I would call an extremely backslidden condition. And the reason, one reason, there had been no word from heaven, from God in over 400 years. We need to get this in our mind. From 840 to 420 BC, that period of time, 840 to 420 BC, that's when God spoke to his people through the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Micah, all, Amos, all these major and minor prophets. That's how God spoke to his people through the prophets. But about 420 BC, it all stopped. Not another word from heaven, not an utterance from God, nothing, 400 plus years. Well, no word from God, 
know anything from God. And what happened to the people? Well, when you never hear from God, you hear from somebody, you hear from somewhere, and the people just little by little by little turned to other gods. It was, it was horrible, the spiritual situation there in the land of the Hebrews, in Israel and Judah was a spiritual low. Now think about this. It's in that timing that the Word became flesh. That was God's way. He showed up in the most unexpected time. But not only that, He showed up in the most unexpected place, Bethlehem. (laughs) You, You would have thought, you would have thought, surely Jerusalem, kind of the headquarters the holy city. No, just not very far away. This little tiny place, Bethlehem, it's where the shepherds were, where the sheep would roam the hills. Even today, Beth, of course, it's much bigger today than then, but it's still very small compared to Jerusalem. But back in the birth of Jesus, Bethlehem, you and I would have just called Bethlehem like a little, a little village. It was a little nothing. In fact, Micah said in his prophecy, O ye Bethlehem, you are little among the thousands of Judah, but out of you will come the ruler. And how true that is. But that's not what I would have thought. I would have thought God would have chosen some, you know, significant place for Christ, for the word to become flesh. He was born not in a palace. He was born in a stable. Now, you won't find in the Bible where it says he was born in a stable, but in Luke chapter 2, you read where Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes and put him in a manger. You've read that. Okay, that word manger in English literally means a feed trough. It's not like what we think about putting a baby in. If you go to the Holy Land, you'll see these feet. It was just a little troughs where the food for the animals would be. Well, that's Jesus. That's an unusual place for God to come. God left heaven, came to earth, wrapped himself in human flesh. Where where did all this happen? In Bethlehem. (laughs) Unexpected. He was put in a manger, not in a fine room in a a palace or a castle or whatever. So I'm just saying it's interesting God shows up in unexpected places. As I was preaching about this in the first service, in my mind, I had two or three things just shoot through my mind about times where we have gone through very difficult things and we were in places that we would never have thought about anything about God showing up to help us in this unusual place we were. And God, you've had the very same experience if you dwell upon me. But here's the exciting thing. God not only shows up in unexpected time and unexpected places, God uses unexpected people. Now let's relate that to the Christmas story. Who did God use? Well, Mary. I mean, Mary. Obviously, she was someone special, else God would have chosen her. But I mean, Mary was just a really mid to older, at best, teenage girl. Joseph, the son of a carpenter. I mean, he was not some political leader or anything like that. The shepherds, 
I mean, they're a huge part of the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. Shepherds, they were the lowliest of the people. They, they would have been considered like uh, what we would call today the very minimum wage people, be out keeping sheep on the hillside. That was, that was no great influential job. God always seems to use the most unexpected people. It's amazing. I think of, I think of, we know him as the Apostle Paul. But before he was the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. And he hated Christianity and he led in persecuting the Christian people. He was on his on the Damascus Road, on his way to persecute Christians in Damascus and what in the most unexpected place to one of the most unexpected people, God showed up on the Damascus road and Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, God used that man. Well, before, before the Damascus road, no one would have ever stood back and said, hey, one day that guy's gonna really do something big for God. No, no. They'd have said, no, that guy's the biggest enemy of God. But what did God do? God changed him and God used him. God uses the most unexpected people to do things. And to me, that is very encouraging because, you know, that's kind of who we are. That's, we're all just regular people, normal people. I look back on my life. You look back on your life. I mean, the most unexpected people have been people that God has used to strengthen me and teach me and encourage me and help me and bless me. Now, there have been other people that maybe have done the same that maybe I would have thought they would, but that is just the way it is. Now, when you put all this together, think about it. God's ways are different. Now, let's fast forward to today, December 5, 2021, 2,000 plus years from the birth of Christ. Now, we talked a moment ago about the spiritual condition in Israel when Christ was born. They were spiritually bankrupt. Now, here we are in America, December the 5th, 2021. Our condition is much the same. Our land is spiritually bankrupt any way you want to look at it. It's just unbelievable. Liberalism in the pulpits has become the normal. Fewer people, long before COVID, were attending church than they did some years back. That doesn't mean that people have all quit church. What it does mean is, I mean, there'd be some of that, but that's not when you do this when you do the statistical studies, that's, that's not where the deal is at all. What the situation is, through the years, many who have been so faithful in the church, not just our church, but in church, Christian church, many of those saints have gone to be with the Lord. They're gone. Now, I think about our church. I mean, gracious me, some of the people, I've been here 31 years, and some that at one time were our leaders and our workers and our just, just everything. Examples 
Well, they've gone to be with the Lord, so they're not, they're not in church here or anywhere else. They're with God in heaven. We bless the Lord for that. But while that's been going on, the population continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And all these new people who've come on the scene, now they're grown. They have children. It's that huge age group that just never has been in church very much at all, if any. They're what we need to focus on. See, if our whole focus is going to be after COVID, saying what we've got to do, we've got to get everybody back. <laughs> well, after COVID, I do hope we get everybody back. But, you know, first of all, everybody's not coming back. Like the, the nominal nominal has been out of church so long. My, my guess on that would be, if, if, if half of them ever got back to church, it'd be a miracle. The core group, they'll either, if they're still in church or they'll be back. But what about this unchurched group out here? But this is what's happened in America, and we see it every day. Like violence, I mean, we see it on TV, and we think, oh, my gracious, another school shooting, another city on fire, you know, this and that. But we, we just almost, as much as we hate it, we're not shocked by it. It's, it's become commonplace this past week, the tragedy in Michigan in the school. You know, we wonder, what school's next? That's what every school's wondering. Will we be next? This is kind of the result of what has happened spiritually in America. I don't think anyone would say that America on December the 5th, 2021, is experiencing a great time of spiritual growth. No, we're experiencing a great time of spiritual decline, just exactly like existed in Israel when Christ, when the Word became flesh. Now, that said, listen, Here's the, here's the good news. I really, I, this is my conviction, but I'm not the only one that has this conviction. I think it well may be that things are ripe for revival. God shows up at the most unexpected times in the most unexpected places, and he uses the most unexpected people. Now, it just could well be. And here's how you and I fit into this thing. You and I, we can be these people, normal people, no one might expect, that God may use. And I think how God will do it, we'll become, and I think it can be, and it fits the vision John shared about 10% of the community, 15,000 people on the weekend here in church. Now, how would a thing ever happen? Even if we did that, there'd be untold thousands not in church. But how, you know, how will a thing like that happen? Well, it'll happen God's way. If we try to make it happen, we say, what we've got to do, we've got to put together some kind of a program. Look, God needs to be our program. And God tells us in the Bible exactly how to do it. At the end of those 400 plus years, with no word from heaven, everything was just about as spiritual low as it could be. There came a man who became God's mouthpiece. We know him as John the Baptist. And it's very interesting what the Bible says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
And this man came for a witness to do what? To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. In other words, here's my challenge today to you and to myself that we need in our circles of opportunity and they are varied, they are different. Like all of us here this week, we will have maybe some the same, but many different circles of opportunity. And what we need to do out there is to be a John the Baptist, tell people about the light, share with people something about God, invite people to the church to hear about God, share with people how God has helped you through various things like just plant a seed. It can catch on. It can be like a wildfire at school. Students, sharing with their friends about what God's doing in their life. Sharing with their friends about what's happening at the church. Share with their friends in the senior high group about the winter retreat. There's just so many opportunities. And what's exciting about it is we have so many different circles of opportunity. I'll be around people this week. You'll not be around. You'll be around people tomorrow that uh, others won't be around. Or just a little circle of opportunity. Like I was thinking, like tomorrow, one of the things I'm going to get to do tomorrow, this is so exciting, I just can't wait to I'm going to get to have a repair job on a root canal. <laughs> Boy, isn't that going to be a great way to start the week? I was thinking this morning, now, the people, I went for my first visit to tell them, they tell me what I need to do, and so I go back in the morning to have it done. Now, I, I don't know the doctor, I, the, the nurse that'll be with me. I, I mean, I met the doctor, and I met the nurse, but like, I thought, well, I need to take some kind of booklet or I need to do something. Uh, I, they didn't learn till the end of my initial visit like, uh, like who I am and what I do. And they were very kind when they did. And I thought, well, maybe I can speak a word to them. I thought, I don't believe I'll be able to speak many words tomorrow with my mouth boarded open while they do work. But I thought, well, before they do that to me, I could say, hey, I brought you along, and I'm trying to think what booked it to take them along. I'm just saying, even unpleasant circles of opportunity, there are opportunities to be a John the Baptist. Could I say amen? What book would be a good book to take, to have a thing like that done? John, what would you suggest? A good booklet. What? Storms of life, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll need to read that book. They're not going to be the ones having a storm. Where are you going to be tomorrow? What are you going to be going to this week? I mean, all of us have some ideas of places we're going to be going. These are our circles of opportunity. And if we'll just be a light to point to the light, we're not the light, but we'll point them to the light. I'm saying to you, you may be one of the ones that God uses to bring revival to this land in the place where we live among the people where we live.